Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, the bonus spin-off podcast where I sit down with my ex-cop, ex-firefighter dad, John, and we sort of just help keep you company through this weird period. Now, obviously, dad, uh, a lot of places are not in lockdown anymore, so I guess this begs the question, should we stop doing Loose Ends? Never, but that's, I mean, I don't want to, I love it. I don't want to, I'm just asking the question. Well, golly, Paul, I... I think it's a part of our uh, our brand. Weirdly enough, I think this podcast, this spin-off podcast, Loose Ends, has been responsible for, I would say, doubling how well we get along um, mm. and how well we communicate because when we're doing true crimey stuff on the podcast proper every Tuesday, it's a little harder to kind of engage sometimes because the subject matter is so bleak. Yes, yes. Whereas here we can talk about all kinds of random things, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, speaking of random things, we have a bunch of questions from listeners. Would you like to dive in? I love questions, and hopefully, <laughs> I can answer them. Hopefully, and if I can't, I'll, I'll well, I'll do my best. You'll be, you'll be fine. You're always doing really well. And Bear, bearing it, in mind that these questions, um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen them. You haven't seen them. As little prep as possible on Fridays. So here we go. First of all, oh, first of all, Narelle and Emma, I am so glad you guys finally got your books. I hope you're really enjoying them. But let's kick off with the questions. This is a question for John and anyone within the police force from Aaron. I'm a social worker in child protection with an obsession for crime and forensics and have always kicked myself for not joining the force when I was younger. Is there any call for social workers within the police force, not particularly working within that role, but using the skills and knowledge gained from working within the field? I remember someone here asking if you can become a constable or sergeant without doing cadet training. Thanks, and tid tid tidbits, not titbits, Aaron Short. Thanks, Aaron, <laughs> for correcting me. Um, look, I am a firm believer mm-hmm. that everybody entering the New South Wales Police Force, no matter where they want to go, mm-hmm. should go through initial training should do general duties and go back to secondary training and get out on the street, get amongst it, do some shift work, find out what it's like to be a general duties police officer, mm. get a sense for what the police have to put up with. It's not all action and excitement. There's a lot of tedium, um, you know, moments of, oh, I would never say boredom with the police force, but you know, a lot of the stuff they do is fairly humdrum. Yeah. Um, 
But I think it's really important. And um, as discussed before in my class, class 171, in, uh, in my actual F troop class, we had a um, Polair pilot. And even the pilots. And he'd, done, he'd flown in Vietnam. But he had to go through the, the same stuff because they wear a uniform. When they get out of the helicopter, he's packing a, a pistol, as we all were, which is a bit weird. And that, that's a whole interesting topic about having firearms inside an aircraft. But I think it's great. But I think, um, I mean, it depends how old um, you are. Yeah. Um, there was a very famous newsreader uh, in Sydney, and her father joined the New South Wales Police Force. And from memory, he was at least 50, and he joined the police force. And, Paul, your uncle rejoined the Navy. Yes, yes. And he's around about, shit, I think he's in his 50s. And he, and he nailed it. He blitzed it. Now, we've talked I, about this before. I mean, the idea of joining late, I think. And then inevitably what happens is I ask you whether you would consider rejoining and you say a firm no. Or alternatively, I say, is it too late for me to join? And do you reiterate that you think I'd make a bad cop but a good lawyer, which I always take offense to? Um but in terms no. of being a social, what? Yeah, no, no. I look. I look. I do. Upon upon reflection, Paul, um, I think most people, given the right uh, circumstances, because within the, these big organisations, there are lots of sections that um, require and would draw to mm. certain um, personalities. You know, there's prosecuting. Um, Oh, and listeners, and Paul, a few nights ago there was a major incident in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a terrible incident, and um, I had always been led to believe that the scientific investigation or forensics in the New South Wales Police Force were not police officers. Um, they're crime scene investigators. They go from university, and they, they're sort of like an ancillary service within the police force. Sure, yeah. But on the news a few nights ago, there was a forensics uh, officer wearing blue um, overalls at the scene of a crime. He was taking photographs, but he had a low-slung holster with a pistol. So that threw me a little bit. So if there's anyone out there that can shed some light on that. That's weird. I'm just wondering whether they're sort of crossing over or going back to the fact that how it used to be, um, although when I was in forensics, we were in plain clothes, but this guy was clearly an operational police officer who was taking photographs at the scene of a... Isn't that interesting? Anyway, that, that, that's just a bit of, bit of trivia there. But look, um, in relation to the... You know, I think it's a broad church, and I think... Um, I guess the police department and government organisations have to weigh up the economics in terms of the training, which must be very expensive... They're paying you a wage whilst you're training. I guess they're probably looking at how many years they can get out of you. But if they could get between five and ten years out of a 50, 55-year-old, I think that would be fantastic. Right. Because uh, lots of people join the police force at 20 and, and, and do two or three years and pull the pin. Well, that's kind of a bit, you know, from an economics perspective. But I think one of the great things about older people joining uh, the police force is um, the experience they bring to the table. And I think uh, social work 
would be bloody brilliant. Okay. And there are lots, that's, that's, there's lots of cases I can think of, particularly domestics and you know, child abuse, etc. Mm. Well, Aaron, if you end up joining the police force, please let us know and good luck. Uh, next question. Hi, Paul and John. I was wondering if you have seen the program The Wire. There is an episode in the first season where a drug dealer disposes of bodies using lime. I was wondering if that is possible in real life. That's from Kristen Griffin. Kristen, uh, great question. It's a bit of a misnomer at lime. Um, lime eventually will help um, in getting rid of the body. And it's a fantastic garnish for a margarita. Mm, but I don't think we're talking that type of lime, Paul. Uh- well, not depends on what bar you go to. Mm, but um, it comes in uh, sacks and it's powdered and it's mm. white. But what it is also used for is to get rid of rancid smell uh, and it can actually slow down the process of decontamination. Oh, okay. However, um, if you want to know about getting rid of bodies, one of the go-to places that I go to is I... Um, well, hang on, just quickly. You mean to? Are you about to tell us where you dispose of bodies? No, like not where. Going, but if I if I if I was um, so way inclined, mm-hmm. and I had to uh, get rid of a body, I would use lye, L Y E. If you heat heat lye up, um, there've been some classic cases over the last hundred years or so. And here's a little tit. Is it tit? <laughs> Shit! I said it again. Anyway, sorry. Here's a tidbit. Tid. Sounds weird, but here's a tidbit. Um, <laughs> have Have you ever thought, Paul, and have the listeners ever thought about uh, universities that do, um, you know, they they do anatomy lessons? Yeah. Have you or anyone ever thought about how they dispose of those bodies? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I'm well, guessing not the hospitality department of the university. They, no, uh, no. I, they, I would assume they donate the bodies to science. No, they. Um, no, that they are the science. Oh shit! Of course, yeah. yeah. So the doctors are uh, uh, are um, dissecting mm-hmm. cadavers, corpses that have been generally donated by by people, um, because when you um, before you die, yeah, you can nominate what you'd like to do, and some people uh, don't like the thought of donating any parts of their bodies. Have you got? Are you an organ donor? I'm an organ donor. Really? Yeah. The whole thing, top uh, soup to nuts. Did you say soup to nuts? Uh, I'll, I'll look into that, but I think I'm fairly um, general in in my my yeah. I'll check my license, but yes, I am. I've ticked. In fact, it might just give the New South Wales uh, uh, government carte blanche to basically do what they like. You know what sucks though, Dad? You could easily we could make a bit of dosh. If you wanted to auction off your parts to loose units listeners, I guarantee you one of our listeners somewhere around the world would would drink from your hollowed out skull, like drink wine in some you know in some cave somewhere. Mm. Yeah, as long in as Scandinavia, just some Scandinavian death metal singer just drinking from your head. Mm. Paul, you have a very fertile imagination, and you have an excellent head to drink from. Mm. Well, Paul, um, <laughs> I so back to the thing about what what happens to the to the remnants of course yeah. of these bodies because there's obviously going to be some spare material left over. Yeah. In fact, well, not even left over. They well, they cut the body up. They they examine the uh, the organs. Well, the Iroquois people use every part of the dad. Hmm. Isn't that fascinating? Fuck these ones are just coasting over your head today, aren't they? But Paul, yeah, they have a big machine. Mm-hmm. And all the bodies go into this machine like a massive pressure cooker, mm-hmm. 
it has got lie, L-Y-E, in it. And lie together with um, with temperature, the heat, will absolutely get rid of a body within three hours. It will dissolve the body into what I would describe as a gelatinous soup. And then they just uh, open up the valve yep. and out come... Out comes the remains in a, mm-hmm. in a soupy liquid form. They have filters so they can pick up any, uh, you know, things that didn't quite make it in terms of metal parts, uh, screws, fixtures, pacemakers, mm-hmm. etc. Think, things they swallowed that they shouldn't have. Yes, yes. Yeah. Things that may have been left in their bodies during surgery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they get ready for this. Can you guess what they do with the, uh, the liquid? Um, if someone loses a dare, they have to drink it. No, they pour it down. It's ready to go into the the sewerage. Isn't that amazing? Uh, Actually, that's pretty creepy, isn't it? So does that mean if you're you're wandering through the sewers near a hospital, you could be walking through man's soup? Definitely, and and woman's soup. Isn't it fascinating, Paul? Yeah. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Yeah. So that's lye, if anyone would like to look into that. So the lime thing's a little bit... I mean, yes, it does work, but it, it's definitely not... Um, it's not... It's not the preferred method, put it that way. Okay, so, I mean, what we're saying is that we've got a new sponsor. 
and its lie. <laughs> yeah, well, there would be manufacturers out there that do manufacture lie, but I think... Um, would you... Okay, so if we had a... <laughs> if Obviously, you're a lie man, you know. If you got a chance to plug um, quicklime instead of lie, would you feel like that, that, that betrayed your actual preferences or would you be okay with that? Would you sell out? Um, well, if the price was right, yeah, I'd um, probably go with the lime. But in the back yep. of my heart, I would know <laughs> that I was being slightly disloyal to lie. You'd be thinking about lie the whole time. Mm. Okay, didn't mean anything, lime. Anyway, this is getting odd. So what we're going to do is, Dad, I want to tell everyone about something that's coming up on the show on Tuesday's episode. Okay, now, mm. listeners. Dad did something incredible a couple of days ago. My dad, John Verhoeven, had his very first acting role. I mean, playing a character in an actual production. So here's the deal. Christmas is a really, really intense time in Australia. Last Christmas was absolutely devastating. And we have dealt with and really supported um, a group called Standby Support, uh, and they are dedicated to supporting individuals and communities across Australia who are bereaved or impacted by suicide because in rural Australia, that that's where this stuff really hit hard, you know. Uh, and so what we've done is we've gotten together and we will be hosting something on Tuesday. So on Tuesday, Loose Units, Castaway Studios and Tegan Higginbotham are very, very proud to present Red Hot Australian Christmas, which is... Just an incredibly funny and really touching full-length Christmas audio play, which is based in Gippsland, Victoria, which is where Tegan was when she actually wrote this play. It's set during Christmas, um, and it's set during a heatwave, and it's a full-cast Christmas audio play, and it's about this family, and the matriarch of the family is a grandmother called Heather Kelly, and Heather is a grizzled... Aussie country grandma who has finally gotten her entire family under the one roof in Mafra, Gippsland, and then they get the order to evacuate because of the fire. They get a code red, and like they're, they're about to get engulfed in flames, and this thing is so thrilling, and Tegan has spent so long working on this, and so we got together with a full cast and did this incredible audio play. We wanted to celebrate Christmas in a really Australian way, and because this is going to be on the Loose Units feed, because you're going to be able to hear it for free... Uh, on the Loose Units podcast feed. First of all, I'm going to tell you about the cast. So we've got Michaela Bannis, who you might know from Upper Middle Bogan and Scooby-Doo. We've got Eddie Barrow from The Dry and the movie Australia. Um, Michelle Brazier, who appears in Auntie Donna's House of Fun, which is on Netflix right now. And Bev Killick uh, from Preacher and Kinney Tonight. We've got Jackson Tozer from The XPM. We've got Kirsty Webeck from How to Stay Married. Uh, I have a very strange role in this thing. And we've got two special guests who might interest you. We've got Georgia Love who you obviously know from The Bachelorette, and Dad. So, Dad, you play the premiere of Victoria in Red Hot Australian Christmas. How, did you enjoy the process of actually kind of getting into character and performing? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was great having you and Tegan sort of helping me along. Mm. Uh, Tegan was great. She wrote it, obviously, and she was able to, um, prior to me going into the recording um, sort of mode, mm. she would then... What I'd do is I'd sit here and close my eyes and imagine what she was saying as to how the premiere would be delivering that particular uh, message. And I, I, and I enjoyed it. And I don't think I could have done this um, if it had been, say, two years ago. when If we hadn't have done all this um, loose units stuff, 
yeah. and our shows, etc., and our podcasts. Mm. No way. I, in fact, I don't think Tegan and you probably would have asked me to to do it because I wouldn't be up for it because it's a very professional and wonderful cast. It's a professional cast, and um, and I was pretty excited. In fact, very excited um, and thrilled to be uh, to be asked to be in it. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing, and 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 I feel comfortable in front of a microphone. Well, you, you're very, you know, you're very good at it, but also thematically, this play, Red Hot Australian Christmas, it deals with all kinds of stuff that you're familiar with. It deals with, you know, it deals with fire for one. I mean, you were a fireman for many years, and this deals with Australia being gripped by fires. It's full of firemen, and it's just basically about what it's like to have your family and your country threatened by fire, and the kind of, you know, and also the mental health impacts of having your entire world, you know, burned down around you. Mm. So. And believe me, it's also, I should point out, guys, it, it's a comedy. So it is really funny. It's extremely festive. And it sort of deals, I mean, it's a big cast and it's been such a big, ambitious project. Tegan has absolutely knocked this out of the fucking park. I really think you're all going to love it. And it's got me and dad in it. And it's got Georgia Love, friend of the show. I've just read the incredible all-star cast in this thing. You will recognize so many voices. They give the performances of a lifetime and it's going to go for, uh, you know, like about an hour. Um, so it's going to sit there on the feed. It's a, again, this is a full blown thing. This is a proper, proper Christmas audio play and we're really excited. And also, Dad, as you may know, because, you know, you're in it, it's extremely Australian. I don't think Australian Christmas has ever been tackled quite like this. Now, because this is incredibly pertinent, we're reaching another really hot summer and obviously people are still kind of suffering because of the last you know, Christmas period, all the proceeds are going to standby support. So all of the proceeds are going to a charity that will really help people uh, around Australia in the affected areas. So what we're going to do is once the episode comes out, we're going to, you don't have to, you can just listen for free, but we're going to encourage people to, we're going to put up a link basically where you can donate funds to standby support. We think it's an incredibly important cause and it's going to stay on the feed and you can listen to it. You can listen to it all the way through December and you can put it on at Christmas and you can share it with your friends, but good God. I don't think we have ever done anything quite as big and ambitious and we're, we're very privileged to have Tegan's incredible play living on the podcast feed. So that's going to be out on Tuesday at the normal time and I'm extremely excited. Are you excited, Dad? Paul, your wife, Tegan, mm. is exceptionally talented yeah. and lovely and it's a, it's a thrill and an honour to have her and I couldn't think of a more wonderful daughter-in-law. Oh, that's nice. I'll tell you, you said that. She'll get very bashful. Mm. Yeah. Um, and also, Paul, what I'd love the listeners overseas to do, mm-hmm. uh, they're going into their winter in the Northern Hemisphere. Yep. We're coming into our scorching summer. But I would love all our friends and listeners overseas to, when they listen to it, close their eyes and it will give you a unique insight into the psyche of, of Australia. And uh, it'll be it'll be wonderful, and it'll be earthy, and uh, it'll be, and I, I just think the medium of, of like a radio play is um, incredibly visceral because when you you know the people will be able to they, they use your imagination yeah, so much you, more than you, watching it on a, on a screen. You do create those worlds in your head, which means everyone's interpretation of of how this story plays out is going to be really different. Mm. Um, obviously, yeah. yeah. God, I'm stoked. It's I'm so, I'm it's so unique. Excited. 
I'm so excited. And you and Tegan have managed to keep this under wraps. Um, I mean, I have been somewhat unaware until I was um, given the script. <laughs> we kept you really in the dark. Um, mm. I mean, Tegan's script is very funny and it's very dark and it's very real. And I do think that's a really good point, Dad. People overseas who've never been to Australia during one of our extremely... I mean, look, Aussies deal with a lot of heat during Christmas, but last Christmas was just... We got annihilated by this just fire season. It was really mm. intense. Mm. Uh, but I think it is going to be really a really interesting insight into what it's like to have a hot Australian Christmas if you're from overseas. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be great. Red Hot Australian Christmas. It's going to come out on Tuesday. Uh, we really hope you enjoy it. We will have lots more information. I actually posted a kind of a teaser on the Facebook group of a bunch of microphones lined up in a studio. That's where we actually recorded it. So we'll post the episode and then we'll put up photos and footage and all kinds of cool making of stuff and really make sure it's a big experience. But we're really excited. So Red Hot Australian Christmas next Tuesday on the 1st of December. We are kicking off December with a goddamn Christmas play hosted on Loose Units. So we hope you enjoy it. Dad, we've got time for one more question, okay? Love it, love it. Okay, here we go. This is from Katie. Hey guys, love the podcast and the book and the other book. I have a pretty strong connection with the Northern Beaches and just wanted to ask if either of you remember Kay's Snapper Inn, the restaurant at the end of Manly Corso. I adored that restaurant as a kid and we have many happy dinners there, celebrating all sorts of family occasions. My mum was brought up in Balgala Heights and so I spent heaps of time in the area, loads of school holidays and weekends. And I think I heard John mention Tanya Park at Dobroyd Point. What a spot. Had the best kids playground with the old steel rocket. Anyhow, enough of my jabbering on. Thanks for sharing your stories. Both of you, love your work. Cheers, Katie. Katie, I do remember Kay's Snapper Inn. Do you? And yes, but it was expensive. And um, I don't think I could ever afford to go there. Right. So, uh, Which end of the Corso was it at, Dad? Was it, it was um, at the, the eastern end near the beach. Um, it was, yeah, it was very, very salubrious. And uh, this is back in the day before lots of restaurants were in Manly, but uh, it was great. It had a great... Um, it actually had a picture of a massive snapper, a uh, big, big fish, and, um, yeah, but Kay's snapper in, gee, that brings back memories. But, uh, no, I didn't, uh, I didn't go there. How would you describe Manly to our international listeners who probably can't quite picture the place without having looked it up? Like, how would you describe Manly to the countless listeners and readers across the world who who have been kind of in the dark on how unique this suburb is. One of the most difficult words in the world to pronounce is the word isthmus, but there's a silent T. Why are you laughing, I-S-T-H-M-U-S, Paul? I-S-T-H-M-U-S, right? I-S something or other. But what it is, it's a tiny, narrow bit of land in between a massive lot of land and a smaller bit of land. So it's not a pen- it's not a peninsula. It's no, a- no, it's it's it's, okay. it's unique. There is a pedestrian crossing for the listeners, particularly those overseas, in Manly, where you can stand in the middle of the road mm-hmm. on that pedestrian crossing. If you are facing south and you look ninety degrees to your left, you can see the Pacific Ocean. It's about a hundred meters away. If you then turn to the right and look due, I think I've stuffed my directions up, but anyway, at 90 <laughs> degrees to the ocean, you yep. can see Sydney Harbour. Huh. And it's about 100 metres. So I would say from that pedestrian crossing, it has a total 
length from harbour water to ocean water of a couple of hundred metres. That's fantastic. And in, in the 19th century, at high tide, because we have what's called king tides here in Australia mm-hmm. at Christmas, you would had to have, they could have fished in that area. And all buildings in Manly, when they dig down, no matter where they dig in Manly, they hit sand. And a lot of the apartments have got permanent pumps pumping the water forever out of the developments and once they're finished. Um, Manly is a beautiful, beautiful suburb and it's got a magnificent beach and I'm not going to draw and, and I'm not going to, to discuss favourite places in mm-hmm. Sydney. I live in the eastern suburbs. A lot of people say to me, why don't I run and swim at Bondi, which I could get to in a few minutes, but I actually go to Manly because you kids were born and bred on the northern beaches of Sydney. And I think Manly, Queensy, in fact, the northern beaches from Manly to Palm Beach, I think they're some of the most spectacular beaches. In fact, Sydney beaches are fantastic. And Sydney Harbour, when you fly in, listeners, for those that haven't done that, and for those overseas, when, when the whole thing opens up with the vaccines next year, for anyone that would like to fly into a city that will it'll take your breath away from the air... Um, particularly when you come in in the morning and you fly over Sydney Harbour and you, you know, that first bit of sun catches the tiles on the Sydney Opera House and the Harbour Bridge and the harbour is spectacular and the beaches, they, they just run as far north and south as the eye can see and it's it's spectacular. And, um, and Manly is a place they used to have a saying and I guess they still do um, use it but not as often and it was uh, when you were at Circular Quay you would catch the ferry from the quay, which is in the city, to Manly and on the old ferries they had this beautiful saying Manly seven miles from Sydney and a thousand miles from Care." isn't that a lovely expression and a billion miles from my university it used to take me about two hours both ways to get to and from university but whenever I got back I was like oh shit it's mm. beautiful here you know yeah, but there's a bridge in uh, Mossman called the Spit Bridge mm-hmm. and when you drive over that bridge and you come into Warringah Shire you go up the hill and hang a right and down into Manly. It is, it's it's God's country. Now, I you know, know that best- there's going to be a bit of eye drawn from people who are going to go, but, yeah, look, I think Australia's a bloody awesome place. But, you know, I mean, let's face it, um, you know, where you where you were brought up and, and lived and, and uh, you know, summer in Sydney, summer in Australia is, uh, it's beautiful. And, and Australia is a, I mean, I know all countries are relatively unique, but we in this country... We have a very good, um, I think we're relatively compliant and that's helped us with COVID. But Australians have, they definitely have a fairly laissez-faire attitude about she'll be right. I mean, where in the world can you find someone standing at a pedestrian crossing at 2am with not a car within 100 kilometres? And most Australians will wait till the little green man or the red man turns to a green man to walk. I think we are fairly compliant. Look, I, I think um, we're blessed living here. You know my favourite time of year in uh, in Manly? Christmas. And Paul, that's funny. Uh, I just got it. But um, <laughs> that was pretty good. And I know I have my, my oddities, Paul, and I know that I used to uh, to pack up the Christmas tree in the bin and get rid of all the, the papers. In fact, get rid of every sign of Christmas within 30 minutes of the last present being opened. But 
I yeah, promise. Psych- I, it's psychotic, yeah. But yeah. I promise I won't do that when when we come to Ma- uh, to uh, shit. I almost said Mafra to Melbourne and to see your place, your new place, and I'm going to hang your paintings for you. You are going to hang the paintings. We've done that thing, everyone, where Dad's gone aggressively off topic. But I guess the the upshot here is that now we're talking about Christmas, which is incredibly on topic. So we're going to see you on Tuesday morning for the world premiere of Red Hot Australian Christmas, Tegan Higginbotham's incredible full-blown audio play, Christmas play extravaganza. It's going to be huge. It stars Dad in his very first acting role. Make sure you tune in. Seriously, this is going to be a really fascinating and hilarious experience if you're a Loose Units fan. So we miss you all terribly. We can't wait to see you. And we'll see you on Tuesday for a Red Hot Australian Christmas. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Paul. Paul. Jesus. Jesus. Fuck. Okay. Okay. Paul, I have a question for you. Paul, I have a question for you. This podcast is going this up tomorrow, isn't it? This podcast is going out tomorrow, isn't it? Jeez, you're a... F- Jeez, you're a f- fuck. Mate. Mate. I'm going to pull the plug out. I'm going to pull the plug out. Shall I? Shall I? <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.